the Irish Times Inside Business podcast in association with Davy. It's amazing what you discover when you really listen. Hello and welcome to Inside Business with Kieran Hancock, a podcast from the Irish Times. Earlier today, Europe's second highest court ruled that Ireland did not give Apple illegal state aid. This overturned a European Commission decision from four years ago that the iPhone maker had owed revenue 13.1 billion euro in back taxes. This is a case that's been bubbling away for more than four years since the European Competition Commissioner Marguerite Vestager announced her shock ruling. And it's a big, big victory for Ireland and for Apple. And joining me on the line now to discuss the implications are Joe Brennan and Cliff Taylor of the Irish Times, both of whom have been writing about this Luxembourg court's decision. Now, Joe Brennan, you've been writing about this decision today. Just walk us through it. What exactly did the court in Luxembourg say? And what's the background to this story? Yeah, so I suppose um, the, the whole story goes back to uh, 2013 um, to when Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, was appearing before a US Senate uh, subcommittee on, on, on tax and uh, said the, uh, the, the mortal words that um, there was an tax incentive arrangement between Apple and Ireland. And that set alarm bells ringing all over the place, not least in, in Brussels, which meant about sending out uh, directions to various countries to look through, uh, I think, upwards of about a thousand uh, rulings, tax rulings when it came to international, um, uh, multinational businesses. And in 2014, they then they launched a, an, invest, uh, an official investigation into Ireland and, and, and Luxembourg, and I think the Netherlands as well. And in Ireland's case, they were looking very specifically at the um, the, the, the Apple case um, and the the, the, the the Apple's tax uh, basically uh, dealings with, with 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 Ireland, stemming from it having been in Ireland since in 1980. Um, and in 2014, they came out with their initial findings. The European Commission came out with their initial findings in Ireland and basically concluded that Ireland had uh, arranged selective tax deals amounting to uh, a legal um, uh, tax um, benefits for, 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 for Apple uh, with the whole idea of boosting jobs in Ireland. So basically lower tax but higher jobs uh, in Ireland. Um, and the final ruling from the European Commission came out at the end of August in 2016. And basically, it there were kind of two strands to the ruling. Um, the 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 first strand was basically, Apple has two um, businesses based in Ireland. They're registered in Ireland, but they have traditionally been uh, non-resident anywhere for 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 tax reasons. And basically, it, it the commission said that there were two rulings handed out by Revenue in, in 1991 and 2007. Now, Revenue would say it's not a ruling jurisdiction, and they would hand out opinions, but doesn't. But they were officially called rulings. We call them rulings for for the, for the purposes of this. And basically, the rulings were that. Um, Apple, let's look at one of the two companies, Apple Sales International, which is basically the sales and distribution distribution part of Apple outside of the US. And the rulings from 1991 and 2007, basically um, it was agreed what activity in ASI or Apple Sales Ireland was based in Ireland and what was taxable in Ireland. And what, what the rest was basically uh, the, the activities of a a head office of of Apple uh, Sales Ireland. But again, this wasn't tax registered anywhere. And so basically, the, the view of the commission was that um, the, the, the level of profit was uh, designed in a way that in Ireland gave Apple a, a, a tax advantage. 
And Apple and Ireland argued that profits, the, the, the upwards, of, I think, $22 billion of profits as far back as 2011, was coming into, into the Irish businesses, um, but only a certain proportion of that was actually taxable in Ireland. The rest of it, the intellectual property governing the assets of, of Apple was based in Cupertino in, in California and not based in Ireland. Um, and that the tax was not due in Ireland, but due, um, due in, in the US. And Apple says that it set aside provisions of upwards of about 20 billion of provisions for, for tax that was due on the back of that in the US and was never due in Ireland. The second strand of the Commission's case was that even it was possible to distinguish between the Irish branches and the head offices, um, that revenue and Apple didn't look um, very much at the using a proper kind of arm's length principle when it came to attributing the profit of, of, the, of, of the Irish assets, of, of, the Irish, uh, of the Irish activities. And basically that the tax was due mainly in Ireland. Um, now, the, the general court, there was a hearing, basically this was appealed by both this was appealed by both Apple and Ireland in 2016. It went to a, an oral hearing um, last year. And in the oral hearing, um, that, was, that went then to a, to, to a decision. The decision was handed out today. And basically, the, commission, the, the general court, which is the second court of the European, second highest court of the European Union, basically decided that the commission did not prove its case. It did not prove that the intellectual property was based in Ireland in the first instance, and it also didn't prove that the arm's length principle that was applied in Ireland was not the correct one. Yeah, uh, Cliff Taylor, you've been writing about this uh, for quite a while, and you did a tee-up piece before the court handed down its ruling, um, saying that you know we might not get a definitive judgment one way or the other. It might, uh, it, it kind of might break into a couple of strands, perhaps. Um, but this is a very resounding judgment in favour of Ireland and Apple, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, absolutely it is and I think what took people everywhere by surprise including people in Ireland and including people I've spoken to who attended the court case was how unequivocal the ruling was and um, there had been kind of some some chat in Dublin in kind of tax circles and in go- government circles that perhaps the uh, court might rule partly in Ireland's favour uh, on, on one of the strands that Joe was talking about there but not the other but I don't think anyone expected a ruling that is as straight and unequivocal as this. Uh, a big loss for the European Commission. Uh, this was its landmark tax case. Uh, the amounts of money involved were a multiple of that involved in any of the other cases it took. Uh, 13 billion euro, a huge amount. Uh, and, and so really a really significant loss, I think, for the European Commission uh, to be so roundly slapped down by the court. And, you know, everyone is saying that they're going to appeal, but we're just going to have to, I think, wait and see whether they will or not, because, you know, what what are the grounds for that? Um, the other, um, certainly a win for the Irish government. Um, there's no doubt about that. And, and for Apple. Interestingly, Apple said that this, you know, this case was was never about the amount of tax it paid. It was about where it paid its tax. And as Joe said, it, it has always said that it would pay that tax in the US on, uh, eventually on the money earned in Europe. And indeed, as the US uh, tax rules have changed uh, in recent years, uh, it is the case that the vast amount of profits that it built up offshore will now be subject to the tax, uh, whether or not they return to the US. Relief for the Irish government, I think, if the case had gone against it, it would have faced 
the question of whether to appeal or not, uh, which could have been politically very divisive. Uh, as things stand now, that, that isn't the case. And um, I think for the Irish government, uh, you know, it, 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 is a, it is a significant, this is a significant victory. And I think the fact that the European Commission or the European Court has said uh, that this money was never, this tax was never due to be paid in Ireland also gives the government significant political cover. Because there was a lot of uh, criticism when the case was taken that, look, you have, you have the 13 billion on the table here, why don't you, you know, why are you objecting to taking it? Uh, and really what the court has said was well, this money was never due in Ireland in the first place. Uh, so I think that justifies the the original decision to appeal the case along along with uh, along with Apple. Yeah, I suppose the case hinged around the fact that uh, profits made from the sale, let's say, of an iPhone in Germany, which has been designed in California and probably made in China, um, should those profits be payable in Ireland, given that the companies were registered here? Yeah, I, I think the common sense answer to that is no, no, they shouldn't. That the value is mainly created in the United States, where. Um, where the product w- was designed and, and developed, if you like, and where, where the strategic thinking behind the development of this product uh, came about. But what the Commission had found in its initial ruling was uh, that this money, had, this profit had been made in, in, in markets outside, uh, outside the Americas, that it had passed through uh, Irish resident companies, uh, or should I say Irish registered companies, but as Joe said, uh, these were companies which uh, weren't tax resident in Ireland. In fact, they were tax resident nowhere. So the commission said, well, look, this money should be taxed somewhere. And it decided that Ireland was the place that it, that it should be taxed. But the court has said, look, if you look at what the, ro- the, the roles and responsibilities of uh, the Irish branches uh, of these big companies through which the money passed, um, there is no way that the, the, the responsibilities and, and the functions of those companies justified the, the, the tax being paid in Ireland. Uh, so, you know, on that specific point, the case turned and, and they ruled in Ireland's favour. Just added to that, while the, the, the actual ruling is, is fairly clear and unequivocal uh, in, in favour of both Ireland and, and Apple, if you go through the ruling itself, I mean, the general court does find issues. Uh, and one of the particular issues it finds that when it came to the 91 and the 2007 rulings and it came to the tax advisors of Apple uh, sitting down with revenue officials and trying to work out what element of activity was actually and profits and income were based in Ireland and what was taxable in Ireland, that the level of detail that either went into uh, to try and, and, and decipher that was was pretty minimal and pretty vague. But again, the burden of proof in this instance lay with the Commission, and the Commission in this case didn't prove that uh, Apple had any tax advantage uh, as a result of, of the decisions or what the revenue would call opinions back in, in 1991 and 2007. Cliff, this is embarrassing for the Competition Commissioner, Marguerite uh, Vestager, isn't it? Because... This was a, a big case um, that she took uh, and made great play of it in 2016 when the uh, announcement, the judgment uh, ruling came out from the European Commission at the time. And she's kind of put herself on a platform of taking on uh, big multinationals and big tech in particular. And she's had a few decisions now that have been announced that have been rolled back on, including this one. Yeah, this, this, this was her big case, really. And uh, I think in the commentary that she made on it, it was pretty clear that she had a poor uh, a poor view of the Irish tax system, 
and a pure poor view of the way the Irish authorities have uh, had managed it over the years. Um, so yeah, it is a significant significant blow, uh, and particularly in the context of further kind of chat at the moment that the uh, European Commission might be looking at examining other tax rulings uh, using another piece of legislation. Uh, I think I think this does set back uh, that rule of uh, that that route for the European Commission. And remember also that there is a ten-year um, there's a ten-year barrier, if you like, or a ten-year limit on the amount that the Commission can go back in time as it looks at tax rulings in various countries. And there have been significant reforms across Europe in the meantime. So most of the ones that I might want to look at are probably it's probably starting to run out of time now. So you would wonder will the, what route the Commission is going to take in future. It, it might more, more more fruitfully perhaps look to the future than the past in terms of. Uh, in terms of what it does next. Joe, are they likely to appeal? They probably will appeal, but there are question marks over what they can appeal on. I mean, they can only appeal on uh, on, on basis of law as opposed to facts. Uh, when you talk to um, legal experts, they find it difficult because it's so resounding, uh, the, 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 the um, decision of the, the general court in favour of both Ireland and Apple. It'll be difficult for them to appeal. Also, the, the higher court, the Supreme Court, the uh, European Court of Justice has a tendency to rule pretty much in line with the, the, the lower court, the general court. At Davy, we know uncharted territory can be a challenge. We've been in business since 1926, and since then, we've advised many different clients through many global and national crises. Some will seek comfort in the safe and familiar, while others will embrace the opportunity to try something new. Throughout the years, we've not only listened to our clients, we've got to know you personally, helping us advise you on a financial life plan that suits you best. Davy, it's not just business, it's personal. Janie Davy, trading as Davy, is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. We take our responsibilities personally. Cliff, just in terms of uh, Irish politics, uh, we have a new government, a new coalition, an unusual one between Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael and the Green Party. They're only uh, a couple of weeks in office now. The Green Party was one of the parties that actually came out and objected to the appeal being launched um, by Ireland back in, uh, when was it, four years ago or thereabouts. Uh, and they're now in government. And their finance spokesman, um, Nessa Hurrigan, has issued an email today saying essentially that this isn't a good day for um, tax justice in the world and that the Apple ruling is a setback for uh, the Commission and for a move towards um, tax reform. She's certainly um, she's certainly not on the same pitch as Michal Martin and Leo Varadkar, let's say, or Pascal Dunahu, uh, in terms of their view of uh, Ireland's decision to appeal this case. And the IDA, in fact, came out with a, a press release earlier saying that Ireland is one of the most transparent, consistent and best tax regimes in the world. Yeah, uh, we have been hearing that line for, for a few years, all right. Um, I, I guess in terms of what the Greens said, look, if this decision had gone against Ireland, I think it could have been politically really tricky for the government to decide whether to appeal or not. Uh, g- given that it went in Ireland's favour, I think it does take some of the political heat out of it. And I think in, in kind of in relation to what Nessa Hurrigan said, I think it you really have to break this down into two different bits. The, the European General Court, as Joe said, the second highest court, w- was looking at a very specific issue, which is whether Ireland gave a selected, selective advantage to Apple um, and, and, and has ruled that we didn't. The whole issue of tax justice and what multinationals pay, I, I think is kind of separate to that. 
um, it, it's it's a slightly different agenda. It's a wider agenda. Uh, there have been really significant changes in tax rules um, since since those days, uh, and since the days of uh, these disputed rulings, including in Ireland. Um, I I I think you could argue that uh, Europe hasn't moved rapidly enough on this, and you could move you could argue indeed that Ireland hasn't moved rapidly enough on this. Uh, I think one of the legitimate criticisms is that we. The, we decided to abolish the double Irish tax allowance, the former finance minister, Michael Noonan, uh, but gave a window of uh, five or six years up to the end of this year before it was finally ended for companies who are already availing of it. I think a much better signal would have been given uh, by, uh, by abolishing that much more quickly. But I think the government now does face really significant questions because, uh, okay, the, you know, it's a win today and we can say that we didn't have a we didn't have a tax regime which was favouring one company over another. We didn't have a tax regime which was offering illegal state aid. Uh, but clearly Ireland was part of a was part of an international chain, if you like, of tax avoidance by major companies, also based on US tax law. US tax law has now changed. There have been changes in Irish law and European law. But I think the pressure for more change is going to continue. Um, Pascal Donoghue accepts that that must happen. But he's very much wedded to the OECD process, which, which as we know, is now in significant trouble. Pressure, I think, likely to come on from Europe. The possibility that countries could act unilaterally on tax. So I think a very difficult, uh, a very difficult path ahead. And while Ireland has won, I guess, the battle on Apple tax for the moment, there are there are, there are many wars that will still lie ahead on this one. Yeah, but nonetheless, it's shone an uncomfortable light on the Irish tax regime. That might be a part of our past, but it's an uncomfortable part of our past, isn't it? And I suppose it brought to light for a lot of people um, who, you know, don't necessarily um, follow the full ins and outs of this on a regular basis. It brought to light the fact that Apple was based here and paying damn all tax here on activities on, you know, billions of euros of worth of activities uh, around the world. And a lot of people will ask, well, is that right? Is that fair? I mean, look at the bill. It was 13 billion euro, whether it was due to Ireland or due to other countries, uh, etc. And on a point of law, we've probably won. But in terms of fairness, um, let's say, is it right that multinational companies have been able to, uh, you know, use these tax loopholes or play the game, uh, as it were, to avoid uh, paying, paying tax? No, I think I think they've been too aggressive. Uh, I think they've pushed the envelope too far. Uh, I think they probably now realise that they've done that. And I think, as Joe Joe referred to Tim Cook's appearance at the uh, 2013 Senate hearing, I think that was kind of a turning point, where you know Tim Cook was shrugging his shoulders and saying, oh, "But we followed the laws everywhere," uh, and 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 perhaps they did. Uh, but when you look at uh, the detail of what happened. And the small amounts of tax that Apple was paying on profits earned outside the US, uh, you'd, you'd have to question, and, and, and many other companies similarly. And you're right that Ireland Ireland was at the centre of that in, in the sense of being a key part of the chain. And when you look at the way the Apple's, the Apple structure was set up with a company that was registered here, but not tax resident here, you know, it was obviously a particular structure designed uh, with tax avoidance in mind. But also, you, I think... You do have to accept as as well as that uh, two things. One is that I don't think there's any question but that Ireland has gained in terms of tax from the multinationals being here. So you could argue that they should be paying more tax globally. 
Um, but in terms of the amount they pay in Ireland, they are, as we know, very significant and increasingly significant taxpayers. And ironically, we have uh, we have benefited uh, very significantly from uh, from the first round of international tax reform uh, because of the way companies have have restructured themselves. Um, so Ireland Ireland has has been a winner in this, and also there there have been international changes, uh, particularly in U.S. tax law, which mean that the vast amounts of money that these companies stored overseas in tax havens are effectively now starting to be opened up to tax. So I think there is change. Uh, change has happened. The use of tax havens has decreased very significantly, but of course there still remain very significant questions about how much. T- how much and how these companies pay tax and, and Ireland remains at the centre of that and we saw Pascal Donoghue in his reaction today welcoming the decision but still recognising that a lot of change was on the way and that change could happen and I think for Ireland this is a case in, in terms of revenue this is a case of damage limitation going forward now we have gained a lot in the first phase of OECD reform I think it's a question of how much we can hold on to now yeah, sure. In the first half of the year, exchequer revenues, we actually had, there was an extra $2 billion in corporation tax, wasn't there, that uh, we hadn't expected. Joe Brennan, just wonder if this is a case of we've won the battle, but maybe there's uh, um, the war is still there to be won. Because the Financial Times had a story a couple of days ago saying that Brussels was going to zone in on the low uh, corporation tax regimes operated in certain member states, and Ireland was one of those that was listed. Yeah, the, the wind is only blowing in one direction. Um, as Cliff mentioned, the uh, ODC, um, uh, OECD uh, approach when it comes to digital taxation is in trouble with the, the US having pulled out of that. It's still continuing and the European Union is allowing that process to continue uh, maybe a bit longer than expected into, into next year before uh, maybe moving unilaterally to try and introduce a, a pan-European kind of uh, approach to digital tax. But um, as you mentioned, the, the FT reporting there yesterday that um, basically uh, the European Commission is looking at uh, maybe uh, going after a, 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 a certain um, article of the uh, original founding treaty of, of, of the European Union, which basically allows in the instance, it's, it's Article 116, in, in, in the instance where basically um, the, the, the single market has been undermined uh, for, for tax reasons, that the Commission can uh, introduce legislation and it can be passed by countries by a qualified majority if it's also backed by the European Parliament. Um, this is separate to uh, the, the Commission a few years ago looking to try and get rid of the, 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 the national veto when it comes to tax uh, tax issues across the European Union. So it looks like they're taking a more aggressive approach um, uh, nowadays when it comes to to, to try and zone in on countries, uh, particularly low-tax countries. Cliff, what's your assessment of this and how it's going to play out? Because obviously countries like France, the UK, I think Spain as well, and a few others have uh, indicated that they're going to introduce a digital sales tax of their own. That's drawn the ire of Donald Trump. He's threatened all sorts of retaliation against France, for example. Uh, if they go ahead with that digital sales tax because he thinks that's his companies, American companies under threat. We have this OECD BEPS process uh, going on at global level, but I guess no guarantee that anything is going to, any deal will emerge uh, out of that. Yeah, it's got messy and I think it's got messy because of the US election. And I think Joe was talking about extending this the process of OECD talks into next year and this the precise reason for that is to allow the American election to be got over with. 
and to try and reach a deal after the after the American election. And you know, let's be clear, there will be no international deal unless the US sign up to this because the US are are really the key players. The big companies, most of the big companies come from the US. So everybody needs them on board. And I think with most of the US companies in favor of some kind of a deal now, I still think there's a chance that it will happen. Uh, although partly depends on who wins the election, how they win the election and, and, and what happens after that. Um, I think Ireland has probably accepted that a digital tax is going to happen and that it's going to cost us some revenue um, over the next few years. And I think uh, we would settle for that as the price of a deal. I think the second part of the OECD process, the, the, the possibility of setting a minimum corporate tax rate would be seen as a bigger danger here in terms of our corporate tax revenues. And beyond that, there's, as Joe was talking about, the EU agenda, the talk of more aggressive action, although we have been hearing that for many years and hasn't, you know, it, it hasn't really borne fruit. Um, but also coming back on the agenda again, the idea of a common corporate tax brace across Europe and maybe one that's consolidated, in other words, that all collects the money into one giant pot that really is a nightmare scenario from Ireland's point of view. Uh, significant, I think, that Pascal Donoghue is now chair of the Eurogroup of Finance Ministers and obviously has a coalition behind him of smaller countries, most of whom I think were probably going to object to that. Uh, so we could see a big country versus small country split on this whole thing in Europe now over the next few years and, and, and a lot of heat. It's also been brought into the debate on the EU recovery fund by the French and Germans. Uh, that's going to be discussed at the summit later this week. Uh, so this is really very much on the agenda at the moment. Ireland is at the centre of it. Uh, and as I say, it's, I think it's a question of damage limitation for us and the hope that the OECD process can keep going and in that way fight off the more dangerous reforms that might come from, from, from Europe or from countries acting unilaterally. unilaterally. Sure, yeah. Unfortunately, we've lost uh, the UK as an ally at the European table because of Brexit. But anyway, Joe, uh, just finish with you and, and maybe talk about Apple. Um, the share price, did it have uh, much of a bounce today following this result? And just wondering, what happens to this money in the meantime uh, while we wait and wonder if the European Commission is, is going to appeal? And just wondering if uh, Tim Cook might uh, perhaps get some bonus out of this, having successfully seen off the European Commission. The strange thing about this, while it's a huge, huge issue, um, certainly for Ireland and, and, and Apple itself on a corporate kind of uh, point of view, it never comes up on analyst conference calls um, during quarterly or full year earnings. It never comes up. Um, so just given the size and the scale of the, of the, of, of the company, obviously the, the investors see it as being owed somewhere um, and there are provisions taken against this tax uh, and they believe that will end up in, 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 in being taken by the, by the US uh, tax authorities. The money remains in escrow until after uh, all litigation has been completed. Um, the uh, the European Commission has two months and ten days to uh, appeal this, and that could go on a further two two and a half years, three years before we get to the the, the end result. In the meantime, costs have been awarded to um, initially by the Europe by the General Court have been awarded to. Um, to Ireland and 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 Apple against against the Commission because the Commission brought a non-successful case. Again, that'll probably be part of the appeal as well. If there if there is an appeal that's that's uh, that's brought and successful. Yeah, sure. Okay, there's going to be more to play out on this. I'm I'm sure. Uh, Joe Brennan and Cliff Taylor, thank you for joining me. 
Okay, that's it for this week from Inside Business. My thanks to Joe Brennan and Cliff Taylor of the Irish Times for their contributions. Thanks also to our sponsor, Davy Group, for its continued support. Suzanne Brennan produced the show with JJ Vernon on sound. Remember, you can get the latest business news straight into your inbox by signing up to our Business Today email at irishtimes.com. And you can also follow the Irish Times business feed on Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook each day. I'm Kieran Hancock. Until next time, take care and stay safe.